Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. I want to I preach a message to you guys uh, this morning called Fold or Bold. And um, I, I want to speak to you out of the book of Exodus. And this really focuses around a man by the name of Moses. And I want to give you a bit of a background to Moses' story so that you understand how this all comes about. So Moses' parents grew up as slaves in Egypt. And they were ruled by the Egyptians, by Pharaoh. And because they honored God and God blessed them, they would continue to increase and multiply, okay? And and so when the Egyptians saw that they would increase and multiply, they feared that they would grow too large. So Pharaoh commanded the midwives of the Hebrew women to kill all of the male babies that are born. But the midwives had great fear of God, so they didn't want to do it. So they wouldn't do it, and Pharaoh realized that it wasn't happening, so he brought them in, and he said to them, hey, I've noticed that you are not doing what we told you to do. I said, oh, Pharaoh, these, these Hebrew women, they're, they're different to the Egyptian women. When they give birth, it's so quick, and, and, and wouldn't that be just a blessing, you know? And, and, so, and so when they give birth, it's so quick, and, and, they're, and they're strong, and they, then they hide the children, and we don't know where they are. And Pharaoh says, okay, fair enough. I understand your job has been difficult. So what he said to them, or what he said to all of his people is, if you find Hebrew children, I want you to throw them into the River Nile. And we're going to kill off all the boys. The, the girls can live, but the boys, uh, we want you to throw them into the River Nile. Isn't that a horrible thing for Pharaoh to, to do and to say? And so there was one baby that was born. He would later be named Moses. And Moses' mother and and, and daughter, they wanted to protect him. So they put him, if you know the story, in a basket of reeds and they send him down the river. And then he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. And she raises him and he grows up uh, just being treated like the Egyptians. And even though that things are going really well for him, he constantly looks out and sees that the people that are his people are being treated poorly. And he's got a conviction about it because he knows that it's not right. So much so that one day Moses, when he's grown up and he's older, he looks out and he sees uh, one of the uh, uh, Egyptian taskmasters mistreating uh, a Hebrew slave. And so he looks to see that no one is looking and he strikes the man and he kills this Egyptian taskmaster and then he tries to cover it up but he soon discovers that what he thought was hidden was actually discovered and that Pharaoh knew about it and Pharaoh had given orders to kill Moses. So Moses decides, I have to get out of here. And so being a person that's full of fear, he flees from Egypt and he runs away into the desert where he meets his wife and he becomes a sheep herder. And this is his life for a number of years. And this brings us to chapter three. And I want to read this to you out of Exodus chapter three. Exodus is very easy to find. It is the second book in the Old Testament. And I'm going to read to you from verse 1. Chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, 
the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard, of, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the ites. <laughs> Verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But he, being God, he said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I think it's really interesting to me when I read this scripture that God notices that his people are in desperate need of being rescued. And he says in the scriptures, I have come down to rescue them. And that's nice. But he also says, I am sending you to do it, Moses. Have you ever noticed that when God wants to rescue people, he often sends people to rescue the people that need it? Have you ever noticed that? That when God notices a need, he doesn't always immediately come and deal with it and address it himself. He says, or he does, but he does it through people that he equips and sends. And he says, I am sending you, Moses, to be the answer to these people. And I don't know, like for me, I look out at a world that I see is broken and needy and, and is in need, desperate need of the love and forgiveness and grace of God. And I know that God often is sending his church, his people to be the answer to the brokenness and the hurt and the pain that the world needs. And so he says this very thing to Moses. And Moses says sometimes what? we often say and he says but who am I to go who am I to go I don't know if I've got everything that I need to do the mission for which you are commissioning me and which you are sending me and he says oh he says don't worry about it I'm gonna be with you see I wonder if Moses began to look back over his life 
And I wonder if Moses began to see all the events of his life begin to stack up and he started to rate whether he was qualified for the task that God had given to him. He said, well, you know what? I was just kind of lucky that I was saved by Pharaoh's daughter. And, and who am I? I mean, I grew up with the Egyptian people. The Hebrew people are never really going to accept me. And I don't know if you know, God, but I have a checkered past. You see, there was a day where I killed a man and it was discovered. So I'm a murderer. And because I'm a murderer, like, I don't know if you'd be able to use a person like me. I have stuff in my past that I'm pretty sure doesn't qualify me to be the savior. Do you ever notice that when God calls people, oftentimes they start to look back over their history and determine whether they are truly qualified to be the answer that God is sending them to be? I reckon that Moses began to look over his past and he saw all of the opposition and all of his history and what he thought made him unqualified was actually preparation for his future. The very thing that he thought was disqualifying him for his future was the very thing that was preparing him to walk into it. I I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt as you look back over your life that God was asleep during your demise Yeah? Yeah. Because God is good, right? And it seems to reason that if God is good, where was he when my abusive parents were punishing me? Where was he when I had my addictions? Where was he when my, uh, the person in my life that I loved died of cancer? Where was he when that sickness was given? Where was he when my teenager began to walk away from God? Where was God? He must have been asleep because if he's good, surely he wouldn't let anything happen to me or the ones that I love. See, if you're new to church, maybe this is the very thing that has kept you from coming to church because you look around at the world and you realize that it needs to be changed because it's totally broken. And you think to yourself, how could a God of love allow all of this to unfold? I mean, surely God's goal, surely God's goal is to completely protect us and save us and heal us and make sure that nothing bad ever happens to us. And if you think that that's God's goal, that might be where you're going wrong. I can see why you might be confused. If you think God's only goal in life is the protection of your happiness and your peace. But if God has a different goal, it stands to reason that he might lead you through a different path. I think that God's goal is to make you bolt to make you bold. I can say that in my heart, looking at a room full of people in different circumstances and say, I know God's plan for you is to make you bold. Boldness is the courage to act on what you already know is true, but you're afraid of. What will happen if you do? And when you start to live like that, when you start to be bold, boldness always comes out of a place of conviction. You've got to have conviction to be bold because conviction is an orientation around certain values that you think are worth standing up for and protecting. And if you're to be a Christian person on planet Earth, God wants you to be bold. Yeah. 
He wants you to have that seat of conviction in your heart so that you will be the person that stands up and maybe begins to speak out. You start to look at all the stuff in your life that you thought was maybe destroying you, but it was actually developing you. It was there in that season to shape you so that you could be bold in this season. What you think was there to break you is actually there to make you if you handle it right. Because plenty of people have handled it, handled it wrong. In fact, if you, if you even read the Psalms, Psalm 73, the psalmist writes, I was jealous of the prosperity of the wicked people that I saw on planet Earth. I mean, here I am and I'm serving you, God, and I'm doing everything I can. And these guys, they are, are, are wicked in every sense of the imagination and they seem to be doing better than me. And it makes me jealous. Why am I going through suffering when people that don't even love you just seem to walk in blessing? And he comes to the end of his thoughts and he says, ah, but I realize the end of their journey is not as positive as it looked during the journey. You see, often what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to teach you something and he'll use all kinds of strategies to teach you something. Our prayer, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting here, but oftentimes our prayer is, God, just take the weight off because I can't deal with this anymore. It's been too long. I'm too tired. I've had enough. I want you to take all the weight and the pressure. I want you to take it off of me. And God says, if I was to take all of the weight off of you, how are you going to get stronger? See, if you want to get stronger, you need to start lifting heavy weights. Now you think about it. If you wanted to get big and get strong, you would go to a place where you could find all the weights. What do we call that? We call that the gym. And what does that mean? It means that oftentimes our development requires an environment. And that environment begins to shape us. And God will use your environment to shape boldness within you. And so boldness begins in a place of conviction. But the thing that boldness needs to begin to emerge and come out is opposition. Because there is no boldness without opposition. In a, in a, in a world that is utopian in its existence where everything is going well, where everything is what you wanted it to be, and nobody ever disagrees with what you think, you will never require boldness. See, you can believe without ever being bold. Did you know that? You can be a believer without ever being bold. I remember watching the 2016 AFL Grand Final, and the doggies came out, and all these people were coming out to support them. I thought, where have you been all these years? It's funny that, you know, as soon as things start to get better, you start to see these doggies' shirts and jerseys being worn everywhere. 
right? I said, where have you been? Where's all of your public support that were waiting for a great season before they came clean about who they supported? Some people are just waiting till everything gets good and everything is safe before they speak up or begin to speak out. But that's not being bold. Boldness requires opposition in order for it to come out. See, belief alone doesn't change the world. Bold people do. You might have great theology. Congratulations. But if you're not bold, you won't shape a thing. Boldness is the courage to act on what you already know is true in spite of the fears that you face. You know, um, John Wesley, the great preacher, he was riding his horse one day. And as he was riding his horse, he started to think about how his life was going. And he realized at this point that it had been two days since somebody had thrown a brick at him. And with that thought in mind, he slipped off of his horse and got down to his knees and he began to say to God, could it be? Is it possible that I have backslidden? (laughs) Genuinely. He said, because if I wore my convictions on the outside I have always noticed that it attracts opposition. He began to repent. God, if I backslidden, nobody's attacking me. Isn't it interesting that, you know, when you begin to speak up and speak out, that's when the opposition really begins to mount. But that's the very thing that indicates to you that you're on the right track. You see, I think that God is looking for a group of people that will stand out. Because I've noticed something about boldness is when you begin to speak up, you start to stand out. I think this stuff called boldness is so critical and so important that for me, I pray it over my kids every single night. My prayer is, God, thank you for watching over my kids and protecting them. I pray, God, that they would listen to you and love you. And I pray, God, make them bold, make them courageous. Despite the opposition that comes to them in their life, I pray that they would always hold on to their convictions because I know that the world that my children will grow up may be a world that has more opposition than the one that I'm living in. And I want to raise a generation of young people that carry their convictions and don't wait till everything is okay before they come clean about what they really believe but they hold on to their convictions and just live it out. That's, that's my prayer for my kids every single week. Why? Because I believe the world needs to be changed. I think it needs to be changed. Do you know who's really bold? Vegans. I know we have a few vegans here. I won't offend you. But you are the most bold people I've ever met. The moment that an order is being done, if you're eating around any of these people and you notice that they haven't ordered meat, oh my gosh, and, and then they say, well, actually, I'm vegan. And then you say, really? What made you go vegan? And they love that you asked that because they are so ready to share the gospel of veganism with you. <laughs> 
In fact, what you don't know is they were going to tell you anyway. But the fact that you asked makes it easier. And they begin with sentences like this. I watched a documentary on Netflix that you need to watch and it will change your life. This is the gospel of veganism. I know. My wife is one. Do you know who else is bold? Collingwood supporters. Have you seen them? I didn't say you had to be right to be bold. I just said, be bold. You want to know something even scarier? My wife is also a Collingwood supporter. She is a vegan Collingwood supporter. She's bold. So, you know, even if Collingwood doesn't win, they'll still tell you that they support the best club on planet Earth, right? And they, it's not about the outcome for them. They just believe and they have this boldness about them that they're right. See, this is the thing. When it comes to being bold, bold has far more to do with your approach than your outcome. Boldness is simply the manner with which you approach what you believe. To be bold, eventually you need to face your fears. And so here's Moses in this passage. And he says, "Uh, I don't know if I'm the right guy for the job. And God says to him, all right, okay. Well, I'm going to give you a sign. And he says, what's the sign? Well, the sign that I will be with you is when you have led the people out of Egypt and you're worshipping me on this holy mountain, then you'll know that I was with you. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I don't want to tell God that he's wrong but I feel like he's got it backwards. Moses says, this is crazy, God. I don't know if you've noticed that your sign came after my act. I don't know if you noticed, God. You just told me, so let me get see if I got this right. You're sending me to Pharaoh, who is in charge of all things, and, and, you know, and you're going to send me to him. And when I get before him, I'm going to be bold. And the sign that I was right is when we walk out. This is insanity. That is not the way that it's supposed to happen. So what does God say? He says, all right, all right. I, I understand. I get it. Like Moses, you, you want the signs first. You want them to come out early. See, Moses had been commissioned because God already told him. So he knew that he had been commissioned. He had a conviction about what was right and what was wrong. And he knew that slavery was wrong. We know that because he killed somebody that he saw oppressing his people. So he's been commissioned. He has conviction, but he lacks the final ingredient for boldness. And it's this thing that we call confidence. And there are lots of Christian people who understand that they've been commissioned. In fact, we call it the Great Commission. Go out into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Get the gospel message to people that need to hear it. There are plenty of people that understand, that follow God, that understand that they have been commissioned. There are plenty of people that are Christian people that have a conviction. We have values. We know what's right. We know what's wrong according to what the scriptures say. But there are plenty of people that lack the confidence to be bold. And so God, recognizing this need for Moses to have his confidence levels increased, 
says, all right, I'm going to help you out here, Moses. He says, you don't have this. I just wanted to read it to you. In chapter four and verse one, it says, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? Isn't it interesting that God will already use, he'll use what's already in your hand to begin to do the work that you need to do. Like if you don't have it and he sends you, you don't need it. Like you don't think that those details escaped God's attention. He says, Moses, what have you already got? Moses says, oh, well, all I got is a staff. He said, we'll throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. That makes sense. <laughs> but the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. And when he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. He says, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign that they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become like blood on dry ground. Now he's just seen some pretty encouraging miracles that should indicate that God is in control. He says in verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. See, Moses had a stuttering problem. And I think he brought it up with God because he was pretty sure that God didn't know about it. I think he brought it up with God because he just wanted God to know that he had picked the wrong guy. I think he really said, God, God, I can't speak properly. Don't you think that by the time God commissions you that he knows what things you have and what things you don't have? Because if any of this has escaped his attention, so the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. As if it wasn't enough, I'll be with you. He says, fine, I'll be with your mouth. <laughs> if it helps you to understand this better. And I'll teach you what you shall speak. At the end of that, Moses hears all of that. He goes, oh, please send someone else. And God gets angry. He says, fine, take your, take your brother Aaron. He can speak. And, and he's still, with all of that, he, he still lacked that courage to be bold. And I read this and I, and I realize that after this moment, he decides that he's going to go anyway. And why did he do that? Because he had an encounter with God. I have noticed people that have a genuine encounter with God are bold in a way that people who have not had an encounter with God aren't. 
When somebody encounters God in a real way, and your encounter might simply be that you hear it and believe it, and you had an encounter with God in that moment. You needed no more convincing. That was your encounter. You heard something, and in your heart, you received it as truth. So I don't want to dress up encounters so that you think that you don't have it. I've noticed that people that have an encounter, they're bold in a way that others aren't. And so after this encounter, Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. That's bold. And that's, that's bold. Moses, in spite of his fears, I think he was afraid when he went anyway. Despite everything that he'd seen, I think he was still afraid, but he still went. Bold people still have fear. They just don't let it rule their life. Bold people still have fear, but it doesn't determine their destination. When I was young, my parents probably did a lot of really great things that I don't remember. One I do. Sitting at the breakfast table every morning, my dad would read the same scripture to me. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. I know that the ESV translates it different. I don't care. That's the one I grew up with. That's what I'm sticking with. And so from that point, just hearing that one scripture repeatedly every single morning. Remember, don't live with a spirit of fear. Don't operate with a spirit of fear. If you have a spirit of fear, it will begin to shut down opportunities in your life. You will lack the boldness that you need to step out and do what God's called you to do. And for some people, they have a spirit of fear. So what they're looking for is favorable conditions to get the boldness that they need to begin to step out. You should know on the pathway to boldness, there's going to be rejection. On the pathway to boldness, there's going to be opposition. But you shouldn't be looking for favorable conditions. You should be looking for the favor of God. And every time that God has commissioned you to do anything, you know that there's favor there. Because there is always an anointing for every appointing. See, God doesn't call you to do something and then not give you what you need to do the very thing He asked you to do. We just read that in the story today. So when it comes to the Great Commission, I think we should come into agreement here this morning that there is favor on us to speak out that message because we already know that we've been commissioned by God to share the gospel with all creation. And that gives us an edge, does it not? That gives us an edge because we already know that there is an anointing on us, a favor on us to preach the message that God has asked us to preach. We have it. How do we know we have it? Because He sent us. And I think 2019 is a year to be bold. Stop trying to blend in. You were made to stand out. When you start to speak up, you start to stand out. John Wesley said, Give me a hundred men that fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I will shake the world. And I care not a straw whether they be laymen or clergymen, 
for they will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and build up the kingdom of God. That's bold. That's bold. You fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God and live out of that place. That happens in encounter. But you begin to live out of that place. You start to shake up the world. Why should we do that? Because I'm telling you, the world needs to be changed. So God is sending you like He sent Moses. And Moses, in his fearful, driven state, checkered past, bad history, never connected the dots, felt ill-equipped, couldn't speak, got before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. The way that God sent Moses, He's sending you. You have been called. You have been commissioned. So be bold because the world needs it. It is not your belief alone that will change the world. It is when you become bold. Bold people change the world. Amen? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.